First they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they attack you, then you win. And that appears to be happening with major institutions that were talking mad on Bitcoin for years, now bending the knee to Bitcoin's incentives, promoting, adopting, engaging with, and making it available to their clients. Let's go dive into the recent news out of Goldman Sachs, and let's go check those receipts of all that that they were talking for so long and how Bitcoin over time, all these institutions will bend the knee because the incentives are so much stronger than coercion. Let's check it out. So the most recent news, Goldman Sachs finds Bitcoin tops gold, S&P 500, and NASDAQ as the best performing asset of 2023. Wall Street giant Goldman Sachs has reported that Bitcoin has been the best performing asset in the world during the first month of 2023, outperforming gold, the S&P 500, and the NASDAQ. So they're not denying it. They're not denying it. Bitcoin topped the year-to-date chart with 27% of total returns and a risk-adjusted ratio of 3.1. Gold has seen a 5% rally along with real estate, while the NASDAQ 100 and S&P 500 added 3% and 2% respectively. In December, Goldman Sachs analysts said they expected gold to outperform Bitcoin in the long term. Well, you screwed the pooch on that one. Finding gold is less likely to be influenced by tighter financial conditions and calling it a useful portfolio diversifier. Yep. Now let's go take a look over here. This from January 6, 2022. Goldman Sachs predicts Bitcoin could hit 100K. Goldman Sachs said in a report that week that Bitcoin could more than double to a little more than 100K per coin. We think that Bitcoin's market share will most likely rise over time as a byproduct of broader adoption of digital assets. Zach Pendle, the co-head of global foreign exchange rates and emerging market strategy for Goldman, said in the report, Pendle argues that Bitcoin will increasingly steal market share from gold. You you guys are getting your, your shit crossed up here. Pondle guy gets it. You guys should promote him. He said Bitcoin currently makes up about 20% of the so-called store of value market, a term used to describe gold, Bitcoin, and other alternative assets like currencies, commodities, whose prices in theory should not depreciate much over a long period of time. Pondle believes Bitcoin could eventually make up 50% of the store of value market, which could push Bitcoin about 17% to 18% higher annually for the next five years to top that $100,000 level. We think that comparing its market capitalization to gold can help put parameters on plausible outcomes for Bitcoin returns. Yeah, hopefully he gets everyone else on board there at Goldman, but it didn't always, didn't always used to be that way. Goldman Sachs was very anti-Bitcoin. As we can see here in August 19, 2020, the banking world tends to view Bitcoin from a negative perspective, of course, but why so? Because they've made so many people poor, increased wealth disparity, they funded the Cantillon effect, the military-industrial complex, and this corrupt political system. So they are entangled. They're a part of that, and they have some incentive to be long and remain a part of that club that you and me are not a part of. But they also discouraged their clients from taking up Bitcoin. Warren Buffett referred to Bitcoin as rat poison. J.P. Morgan, Jamie Dimon, we'll get to him later, said Bitcoin is all a fraud. Goldman Sachs took this feud even higher when it released a, a report detailing why Bitcoin is not even an asset. So again, first, it's not an asset. Then we might let our clients use it. Then it's digital gold. Then it's going to 100K. Then we're promoting it as the top performing asset in the world. You see? You see the process here? 
They're all coming our way. And we can go right here. CEO uh, David Solomon was one, and he said Goldman Sachs in the return of blockchain, not Bitcoin, right? Oh, God, Bitcoin, not crypto. Don't don't fall into all that bullshit. But they're starting to come around. And again, these guys will try to make money any way they can. However, corrupt or immoral it may be. And we'll dive into that later, too. But Goldman Sachs, and this was in, again, December 9th, 2022. So not that long ago. Um, and they've changed their tune very quickly. Again, that is the CEO in the picture, David Solomon. Moving on. And this... March 31st, 2021. So these guys have been all over the place. Goldman Sachs reportedly jumps on the Bitcoin bandwagon. And this was when they were offering Bitcoin to their um, high net worth clients and and trying to get uh, their feet wet in uh, Bitcoin. And then in April 28th, 2022, Goldman Sachs made its first Bitcoin-backed loan. The Global Investment Bank allowed a borrower to use the cryptocurrency as collateral for a cash loan. Now, in hindsight, we know that some of those are very risky. Um... And in downturns, and you know how Bitcoin can move quickly, um, make sure you're monitoring any loans you may have using Bitcoin. You ha- you have more than ample collateral to to deal for any downturns, but best off to just hold your Bitcoin and 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 not put it up as collateral because that can become a conditional sell, and you don't want to be selling the most valuable commodity and and the future of money and the future base layer of a free market economy here the the value proposition is massive make sure you check out layered money and you can see how these things evolve over time and the derivatives that will likely come off of bitcoin but one way to protect yourself is to make sure you have bitcoin in self-custody and you can use a hardware wallet you can use a blockstream jade cold card there are many options for that make sure you do your own research as well as using your own personal wallet you can use moon blue Blue Wallet, Wallet of Satoshi, Samurai Wallet. There's so many. Make sure you do your research. Find what works for you, what you enjoy, and and fits your use case in that. But just make sure you take precious care of that Bitcoin and be careful about it being rehypothecated by lending it to people like Goldman Sachs. And we know their history very checkered, right? <laughs> and another back and forth. Three years ago, no Goldman Sachs doesn't think Bitcoin is the next big thing. Then we go over here. JP Morgan and Goldman advise clients to not buy Bitcoin, claims industry executive. Three years ago, hmm, wonder how you'd be doing if you would have been stacking sats the past three years. You'd probably be doing pretty freaking well. So you should probably fire these financial advisors that want nothing but to keep you poor and keep you under their thumb. And again, the gradual process, March 31st, 2021, Goldman Sachs to offer full spectrum of Bitcoin investments. It was revealed that they will be offering Bitcoin investments to their wealth management clients. And we kind of covered this earlier, just kind of hitting on that again. Now, something to think about when we're talking about Goldman Sachs and the old narratives and the Jamie Dimons about fraud and Ponzi scheme, and it's used to finance illicit uh, activities, these things. Well, let's look at the top 10 most find financial services shall we? And this goes from March 9th, 2021. And as we go through the slideshow, we'll see number seven, none other than Goldman Sachs, which was fined $16.4 billion over that period, uh, dispersed between 44 different fines. Number two and number one on the list, J.P. Morgan and Bank of America. Go figure. Now, we know this process, right? Ray Dalio, he used to be a doubter. And a couple years ago, he came out and has been very much on the side of understanding the macro perspective with his great inflation thesis 
and he's starting to come around and understand Bitcoin as well. Maybe he did that right before he got out. Our boy Greg Foss had some great things to say about Ray Dalio and how corrupt he was. But as we can see, these big dogs who were laughing and talking mad sh they're coming around. Bitcoin is one hell of an invention to have invented a new type of money via a system that is programmed into, into a computer that has worked for around 10 years and is rapidly gaining popularity as both a type of money and a storehold of wealth is an amazing accomplishment. Thank you, Ray Dalio. And if you haven't, if you're coming around and you're learning about Bitcoin, I recommend go ahead and check out Robert Breedlove's video, Open Letter to Ray Dalio. It breaks down a lot of it. Ignore that asshole Pompliano in it, though. And I know most of us, with these banks and these institutions, we want to say, go ahead, tell them I hate them. I'm sick of them. I want nothing to do with them. But there is a process in this adoption phase, and we are in the store value phase, slowly working towards that uh, medium of exchange, as we've seen the news from Strike and Jack Maulers and, and the adoption in El Salvador and in other nations, especially Latin America. But part of the process, if these banks want to remain in business and they want to have any sort of uh, value proposition in the future, they have to get in here. They have to get skin in the game or they'll go the way of the dodo bird. They're starting to come around. And there are others that really see the big picture. And let's take a look at, uh, this is Barry Sternlight. And he uh, is another guy that should be right on pace to, to pick up, adopt, and espouse Bitcoin. Let's see what he has to say. Inflation has peaked. The biggest increase in last month and has remained is the renter equivalent number in the data, which was 0.8 positive. In reality, that was 0.34 negative. The lag in the housing data is just okay. is completely distorting inflation. And since rents are falling, market rents are falling month to month, not year over year, month to month. They're going this way. You will see a negative number there and it will look like energy. It'll come all the way down. So inflation will come down. And, and people who talk about keep raising rates, I hear these guys on your morning show, I want to strangle them. Volcker didn't have a $32 trillion deficit. So here's the actual interest number. The federal government's. And this is what a lot in the, you know, from Foss and Lapard and Lynn and Lavish how they are painted into a corner. Everyone will talk about Volcker and what he did. That was like 20% uh, rates to fight inflation of the 70s, brought on, of course, by what the f*** happened in 1971. Go check that out. But at that time, debt to GDP was about 30%. In the current environment, debt to GDP is about 130%. You would not be able to finance the debt. You, you, you would completely default as a nation and then tell me Bitcoin doesn't take off in that scenario. When, the, when everyone has lost full faith and credit in the world reserve currency of the dollar, which is the world's most popular shitcoin, that is the biggest advertisement for Bitcoin that the world has ever seen, and we are on route to it. And eventually, and you can see in Jay Powell was very kind of weak and soft yesterday. He did everything but say they were going to pivot, and they're in this pause phase. 25 basis points. If you look back to what James Lavish said in Simply Bitcoin IRL, he said a pivot would, in fact, be when they reverse course, not necessarily start cutting rates, but they slow the rate and they start pausing. And that's kind of when the, the first signal that that the money printer is coming back. And let's, let's go ahead and let the expert talk here. Spent the following amount of money the last four years on interest expense. In 2019, 375 billion, then 345, then 352, and last year, $475 billion. So here were the average interest rates those years. They were point 
uh, five in 2020, point one in 2021, that's the average, these are LIBOR SOFA rates. In 22, they're 1.9%. This year, they'll be four and a half, five percent. Five percent of 30 trillion. We'll be up to a trillion dollars. A trillion plus dollars. On interest. And on interest. And that's, that's, so the budget that the White House put out has a $400 billion number that didn't, actually, they didn't update it for today's interest rates. This is their November number out of the White House, which is where they put the 1.7 trillion, the, the fiscal, the fiscal spending. So what he faces, if he So just the interest payment on the debt when you approach that 5% Fed funds rate will be a trillion dollars. Insane. And this is where Greg Foss talks about the DEBT cycle. And then you can also look at Weimar and how the contraction of the cycles of their quantitative easing and money printing, the effect, the duration of it lessens and the amount of liquidity you have to inject into the, into the system becomes multiples bigger. So if you look at what happened in 2020, the, the global Global economy dropped in like $21 trillion or some sort of insane amount of money uh, production. And then you see the effects. But those effects didn't take that long to take shape in the form of inflation and everything else. So and we saw the effect of the 18, 2012 stimulus. Those effects, you know, 18, 12. So it was about six to eight years of money printer Band-Aid being effective and then it all goes to hell. And it goes to hell in a hurry. And no one can predict, uh, no matter what they say, no one can predict hyperinflation. No one knows when that comes. Hyperinflation is like a crack in a vase, and you're watching it. And, and you keep looking at it over time, over time. You know that thing's going to break without any super glue or any any JB Weld or something to hold that thing together. And you can do that maybe over time. It'll, it'll give it a little fix, but the crack is still there. And eventually those cracks spread, and it's spider webs, and then the whole thing collapses. And there's no, no telling when it's going to spider web and those things, but it's best to be prepared and understand and see the whole macro narrative going on around us and understand history and how it rhymes and repeats itself from 1918's epidemic to now to the collapse in 1929 to where we're headed right now. And also looking at things in the Weimar Republic and Rome and you look at society and its hedonistic uh, moves and the de-evolution de de of society in a way towards uh, impulsive and, and consumerist behavior rather than um, free markets, individualism, and self-responsibility. So let's go ahead and finish this here. Keeps going up. You have the Weimar Republic. He has to keep printing dollars to pay interest on the deficit. And you wind up printing and printing and putting tremendous pressure now on all ends of the curve. Right. So that will really slow the economy if, if the tenure goes to five because this thing gets out of control. And who's going to buy our paper? And we've pissed off the Chinese. They're not going to be buying our paper. And most countries are pulling back to their borders now with deglobalization. The banks will support themselves. So he risks this if he keeps going, these academics in Washington. He risks the entire financial stability of the system. You have the IMF and the World Bank telling you to stop raising rates. Because what we do in our little holes in Washington with our Federal Reserve Banks impacts the entire globe's economy. And it's not like it's strong in Europe. But, but so isn't this, they can't afford higher rates. But Barry, and that, we got to get at this again, because you know what, what gives the dollar value? It, it, the only thing is the full faith and credit in it. So if there is no faith or credit in it and people lose that faith, and other nations like BRICS begin to go other avenues and begin to de-dollarize as the dollar inflates, 
So what what the IMF and and some of these people hope is that as the dollar inflates and loses value and is debased, these other currencies and other nations, they will default, their, their currencies will fail, and they hope they roll into the dollar to eat up some of that excess supply and mask some of that inflation. But what happens when they go another route? What happens when they go the way of bricks or they develop their own uh, method of exchange or they adopt Bitcoin as many nations in Latin America and around the globe are looking at and slowly adopting as we speak. It's pretty incredible, but we are living through crazy times. It was actually, I mean, these are times Bitcoin was built. Let's look back. I think the Simpsons might have had it right. This from Dennis Porter. Not Do not forget the Simpsons predicted Bitcoin to infinity, and we might be hitting, poss- I mean, we might be heading there sooner than expected. There's no telling. All you can do, stack sats, be humble, take self-custody, and then promote and share the Bitcoin and the sound money gospel. Here is Goldman Sachs from Documenting Bitcoin. Their report, again, this was the second time they had released that Bitcoin was the top performing asset in the world, market performance year to date, and there's Bitcoin just taking everybody to school, absorbing that value as the most scarce, desirable asset on the planet. At least they're saying, look at that. Remember they said, Bitcoin is not an asset. Well, look at that. It's the best performing asset in the world, and that's straight from your own mouth. You doubters are going to get it. And as we were talking about earlier with Bitcoin from Bloomberg, and we're gonna we'll hit a video on this a little more in depth. But it looks like everyone is hunting for alternatives to the dollar. So you better have some Bitcoin on the balance sheet, or when the time comes, you're gonna be left out to dry. And as we said, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then. You win. And right here from Shaquille Oatmeal, Bitcoin is a vehicle for fraudsters, warns Goldman Sachs. But what about now? Somebody's closer. Goldman Sachs names Bitcoin as the best performing asset of 2023. They can't deny it anymore. And just as a reminder about these institutions that talk about Bitcoin and fraud and these things, well, Goldman Sachs, and this is from the Department of Justice, in October 22nd, 2020, they were charged in foreign bribery case and agreed to pay over $2.9 billion. And of course, we showed you the 10 most fined financial service firms. And, you know, Greg Foss, we, we haven't seen him on Cafe in the Morning. I know he's taking a little break from Twitter and things, but we kind of miss him. Let me just look at SpongeBob right there. I feel like that Gary Bowl is 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 Greg Foss when he used to come on and call J- Jamie Dimon a stupid <laughs> Damn it, I missed that. And damn it, Greg was right. And we can look. Remember on that chase, J.P. Morgan, number two. $35 billion in fines. Bank of America, number one. And just for fun, I wanted to look and see... How far down somebody was on this list. They had $4.6 billion in fines. I have a feeling a lot of those guys, including that one and that one, will probably be moving up that list quite a bit, and hopefully justice is delivered to the many that have suffered because of them. So again, we've taken a look. I want to round it out here. We're going to kick Jamie Dimon's teeth in. Jamie Dimon slams, quote, crypto tokens as decentralized Ponzi schemes. He's talked a lot of on Bitcoin over his time. And why? Because Bitcoin threatens everything, his whole livelihood. He feeds on the system. He's a leech. He is one of these people that benefits from the Cantillon effect and the system in place. They will do everything to defend it. But just like 
BlackRock, just like Fidelity, just like Goldman Sachs, they'll eventually bend the knee because Bitcoin's incentives beat coercion and central planning every time. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to check out Simply Bitcoin Live at 12.15, Monday through Friday. Keep tuning in with us and sharing the signal. Thank you. Until next time again, peace.